All right. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm going to uh, uh, preach from Hebrews this morning. And uh, I understand you've been doing a bit of a series through Hebrews over the last, uh, what, six months? And uh, you're all the way up to chapter three. And uh, so I, I'm going to try and tackle the last uh, paragraph of chapter three uh, this morning. And um, I think this is a, a God thing. Uh, about a month ago, I actually preached this message at TCC. And uh, as I was just finishing my preparation uh, to preach that message, I, I remembered that Peter had said, oh, could you pe- preach from this passage in Hebrews? And I couldn't remember what passage it was. I hadn't actually looked at it yet. I just said, yes, hoping it wasn't a really controversial one. And, um, and uh, I went and had a look at the same passage. So I was like, that's awesome if you're preaching because it means you don't have to prepare twice. Um, but, but it was a good confirmation for me too that it was the right word to be preaching. And it's also one that spoke to me um, a whole lot. Um, there's been a bunch of research done uh, in Australia. It's the same in the US actually. And they've discovered, it's about uh, motor vehicle accidents. And uh, they've discovered that 10% of all traffic accidents are attributable to fatigue, um, you know, tiredness, or drivers falling asleep. Okay, 10% of all accidents, um, which means that 90% of all accidents are drivers who are awake. So statistically, you're actually better off sleeping while you're driving. <laughs> um, I'm not very good at maths, but that kind of works for me. Um, and uh, it's, it's kind of interesting, huh? 10%, that's a lot. I, I have a few stories of my own of falling asleep at the wheel, and I'm still here to tell the story, so that, that's good. But um, I remember one time driving to a wedding in Dubbo. Anyone know where Dubbo is? Okay, uh, so we drove uh, overnight from here to Dubbo. We arrived fairly early in the morning at Dubbo, straight to the venue because my sister was uh, a bridesmaid. And so she had to go and get fitted for the dress and it was all last minute stuff, get ready. Then we all day at the wedding and then wedding reception in the evening. And then at the end of the wedding, we had to drive from Dubbo to a little town called Mandoran, which is between Dubbo and Coonabarabran. Anyone know where that is? Okay, Mandoran, come on. It's 400 people. <laughs> and, uh, and I grew up in Mandoran, little, little town, loved it, great little town. It's not on the highway, so you've got to go off the, the highway to get there. But we're driving back because my grandparents live there. We're going to go and stay with them. And as we're driving back, it must have been late that night, maybe 11 or, or midnight. We'd already been up all the night before driving. We're heading back, and Dad's really tired. So I said, oh, Chris, would you drive? Okay. And if I remember rightly, we had one of those really, really old Toyota Crown. I don't know if you remember those. Great, big, long kind of thing. It was more like a ship than a car. And, um, and I'm driving along, and I uh, don't remember much about it, but I do remember suddenly Dad going, What's your speed, son? And uh, you probably know my dad, Mr. Windus, who used to work here at the school, Keith. And uh, he says, what's your speed, son? So I opened my eyes to check my speed. <laughs> and, um, and I'm doing 140. And in a Toyota Crown, 140, that's kind of scary stuff. And, uh, and it's just all like scrub, forests and trees flying past. You could just catch them in the kind of peripheral light. And, and it frightened the life out of me. I was very awake from that point onwards. We got back to Mandoran without any more little episodes of the eyes closing. Uh, but before he said that, I had no idea I was falling asleep. I didn't kind of, there was no conscious decision here. Okay, I'm a bit tired. I might have a power nap. <laughs> um, I'm sure there were signs. Okay, I'm sure I was uh, feeling tired. And I may well have been thinking, it was a long time ago now, I may well have been thinking, I'm pretty tired. 
maybe I should stop. Um, a couple of years ago, we were driving back from Melbourne and we decided to, uh, to we were going to stop in Dubbo. Again, Dubbo seems to be a theme here. We were going to stop halfway at Dubbo for the night and then come all the rest of the way the next day. But uh, we decided we were going really well, so we'd just drive all the way. So we drove from, uh, yeah, Diff remembers because he was staying in our house and he was expecting us back late on the Sunday afternoon, but we arrived at 5 o'clock Sunday morning. <laughs> Diff's scrambling around picking stuff up, but anyway. Um, uh, so we drove all night, uh, through the night after having driven all day, so Melbourne to Woomba in one go. And, uh, and I drove most of the night and I was getting pretty tired. I got to Gundawindi and thought, okay, time for a coffee. Okay, and if you've ever been to Gundawindi at 3 o'clock in the morning, there ain't too many places to find a coffee. And uh, so there's a few road stops, and so we stopped at one of those, and uh, the coffee machine was broken. And uh, so I had, I had to pay for an instant coffee. Okay, that, that's, that's a definition of desperation in <laughs> itself. So I paid for a cup of instant coffee. I think it was even international roast. And, um, and it didn't, didn't help. I didn't even have the... I was probably too tired to think a Red Bull or something like that might do the job. And I drove from there all the way back to um, Toowoomba. And, uh, and that's not the most exciting drive at the best of times. Okay, but we got to Milmerin. I was just had it. I was stopping every little town, stop every little town, run around the car, get back in, keep going. And um, from Milmerin to Toowoomba was just the longest drive ever. And I knew I was tired, and I knew I was dangerously tired. And all the, we're all in the car, kids, Cindy, all of us. And, um, huh? Yeah, they were trying to stay awake, but it wasn't a happening thing. And, um, and I remember I got home and, and thought, man, I saw thousands of emus between Milmerin and Toowoomba. And the thought occurred to me that there probably wasn't thousands of emus. I was just hallucinating emus. There was emus everywhere. And, uh, and I was really, really tired. Now, the whole time I'm thinking, I really shouldn't be doing this. But just, it's just, Toowoomba's just one more hour or two more hours, I can do it. And the eyes start to close, the window goes down, the crank the music up, you do something, you get tired. But the thing is, when you fall asleep at the wheel, nobody plans to do it, but there are signs. You do know that you're in a dangerous place, and if you don't do something about it, you could end up in disaster. And uh, I've heard lots of stories of people who've had major accidents falling asleep, and they pretty much all have said the same thing, is that, ah, oh, I knew I should have stopped. Because you just know, something inside you just knows. So, let's uh, have a look at our uh, passage for today. And uh, I want to read a big bunch. And I know uh, Pete's covered some of this in, in his message, I think, a few weeks ago. Um, but uh, the passage that I'm looking at doesn't stand on its own. It's part of a, a context. And, and without understanding the context, and you probably do already, but just go over it as a bit of a refresher, uh, it's a little bit hard to, um, to kind of get what's going on. So, I want to read... Um, I'll read from verse 7, so Hebrews chapter 3, and I'll read from verse 7 right through to the end of the chapter. Okay, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For we who, sorry, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Okay, and so the passage I'm focusing on is that those last uh, four verses, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Who were they okay, that, that this passage is talking about? Well, of course, it was the Israelites um, who came out of Egypt, who hardened their hearts. So to give it a little bit of context, okay, Hebrews written to Jewish Christians. Okay, we don't know exactly when, but it seems quite obvious it's written to a bunch of Christians who were Jewish who were facing a lot of persecution. Okay? And so what, what had happened was um, there were different periods of time when there was persecution against different groups of people. So at this particular time in history, it was Christians who were being persecuted and not Jews. At other times in history, the Jews were being persecuted, whether you were a Christian or not. But at this particular time, as best as we can tell uh, from the letter, the, the Christians were being persecuted. So if you were a Gentile and a Christian, you were being persecuted. If you were a Jew and a Christian, you were being persecuted. And so what, what seemed to be happening is there's these Jewish Christians who had heard the gospel, who had come to faith in Jesus, whose lives had begun at this process of transformation, but all of a sudden, there's this huge pressure on them because persecution's breaking out, and they may well not only lose their freedom, they may actually lose their lives. And so, if you're in that same situation, what do you do? Well, most of us would go, well, maybe I need to look for a little bit of a safer alternative. So, as a Jewish Christian, I'm under threat. Just as a Jew, I'm fine. Jewish God, Christian God, same God. Maybe I could just kind of drop the Jesus thing and just be a Jew. Okay? And then, therefore, avoid some persecution. And so, the writer to the Hebrews is writing to them and saying, hey... Yes, you're being persecuted. Yes, life is difficult. But hey, Jesus is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the law. He's better than the priesthood. In fact, Jesus is everything. And so persecution and Jesus is better than no persecution and no Jesus. Basically, that's my little summary of it. Okay? And so, so the writer's trying to get under their skin a little bit and say to them, look, don't give up just because there's pressure on you. You are better off, far better off with Jesus. The covenant that, that you are under with Jesus, the new covenant is so much better than the old covenant. Why go back? Even if you get persecuted for it, why go back? This is far better. Okay? And, and so that's kind of the situation uh, that they're in. And so he's writing to them. Now in this passage, um, he's quoting from a psalm, Psalm 95. And so when it gets to this bit, where it's clearly in most versions of the Bible a quote, he says, as it is written, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. It's quoting from Psalm, almost word for word, the second half, half of Psalm 95. Now, Psalm 95 may be, of, uh, may be written by David, probably written by David. It's a psalm of worship. Okay? It's a psalm that they would have sung as they went up to the temple or the tabernacle at that time to worship. Um, and, and it's a call to worship. But in the middle of this call to worship, and there's a few psalms around it the same, there's this very strong Hey, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Okay? So it's a very immediate thing. It's not a just don't harden your hearts. It's very strong. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Okay? And so 
the writer is he's also quoting from or alluding to a passage which is back in the history in, in Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. So what happens, and this is not just if I can throw in a little kind of broader thing here. What happens in the New Testament, often you get a, uh, a, an Old Testament passage which is quoted or alluded to. The, the understanding of that quote or that allusion is not necessarily literal, but it's kind of a, it's something that has built throughout Israel's history. And you have to see it within the context of where it's going, not just the actual quote itself, if that makes any sense. So that's what I'm doing. So Writer to Hebrews quotes from Psalm 95. Psalm 95 is actually quoting from an incident that happened way back in Exodus chapter 17. So to understand it, we need to understand what's going on in Exodus 17. So, you know what happened in Exodus 17? Well, I'll tell you then. Because it'd take too long to stop and read it. Okay, so all the Israelites are in Egypt. Okay, uh, they're, under, they're being you know, made into their, their slaves. It's a difficult life. So God calls Moses and Moses comes along and, uh, and Moses is used by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Okay, you know the story, all the plagues and all that kind of stuff. And so by way of this, this really um, outstanding miracle or miracles and, and God displaying his power and some, it just, I mean, for us, mind-blowing. I don't know if you've ever seen stuff like that. I've not. I mean, rivers turning to blood and, you know, hail killing lots of people and the firstborn dying and all that kind of stuff. That's pretty wild stuff, okay? They witnessed all that. They saw all that, okay? And then God takes them out and they're on the edge of the Red Sea and suddenly God parts the water and they cross the Red Sea and that's pretty outstanding as well. I mean, that's, that's cool. Cross the Red Sea, then it comes back and it kills all their enemies and here they are out in the Sinai, out kind of in the wilderness. Now, has anyone been there? Anyone been as part of Egypt? Yeah, okay, I've been there. You don't want to get stuck there. Okay? It's not, okay, now there's some really nice resorts there actually, so it's probably not so bad. But then, no resorts. Okay? It's, it's hard, it's rock, it's dusty, it's sandy. There's not even, it's hardly even a tree, to be honest. It's really not nice. Okay? And so they're, they're out there. Maybe there's a couple of million of them, who knows. And, um, and uh, they didn't pack enough lunch. Okay? They didn't bring enough water. And so they begin to complain to God, what are we going to eat? Go up to Moses, what are we going to eat? Okay, and Moses, uh, in all his wisdom, um, goes, God, what are they going to eat? Okay, and, and what are they going to drink? And so God provides for them uh, quite some quail, some meat, some birds, they come and they have this meat and manna from heaven, so they get this manna that they can eat. Uh, God says to Moses, they go on a little bit and they complain because they don't have anything to drink. And God says to Moses, go up and strike this rock and water will come. And so he does it. And water comes and they have something to drink. Okay? This is Exodus 17. And, uh, and it's at that point, okay, if, if, we, if we actually turn to Exodus 17 and read the story, um, that Moses, um, he calls that place uh, Massa, which means testing, and Meribah, which means quarreling. Okay? And that's where the quote from Psalm 95 com uh, comes from. So we might just um, read... Psalm 95, because that, that'll help us to understand uh, exactly what's going on. If I can find it. Okay, Psalm 95. Oh, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. His, in his hand 
are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Okay, that's all pretty positive so far, isn't it? Like you could write a song about that. Okay, but then it doesn't stop there. Then it says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as at the day of Massa in the wilderness. Okay, that's just what happened in Exodus 17. When your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Okay, you're kind of getting the picture? Are you following along? Or is it too hot? <laughs> okay. Um, I know I'm trying to lay a bit of a, a foundation for what I actually want to say, but it doesn't hurt to know this stuff anyway. Um, so, the writer of the Hebrews is writing to them, Christians, Jews, being persecuted, quotes from Psalm 95. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So we go back to Psalm 95, written to the Jews in the promised land. They're now in a time of peace. God's given them, uh, you know, most of the land. They have possession of it under David's kingship. Okay, and there's this call to worship. And then it's, it's, it's this call to worship, uh, it includes a today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, like that generation did in the wilderness. So we go back a little bit further and we look at what happened in the wilderness God miraculously brought these people out of Egypt. He displayed to them just his incredible power, his incredible mercy, his incredible love for them, his incredible ability to provide for them. Okay, but then they complained and they moaned against him okay, and, and he provided for them anyway, quail and manna and water and all of this stuff. Okay, but the writer of the psalm says, don't harden your hearts like they did at that point because it was because of that that God actually, the word it uses in the, in the um, English Standard Version, God loathed them, okay, and they didn't enter into God's rest. Okay, you kind of see that's pretty heavy stuff. All right, so what's going on? This is where falling asleep at the wheel is, I think, is really relevant to us in our Christian journey. Okay, I want you to imagine for a moment... You are the people that God called out of Egypt. Okay, this is, this is a generation that died. They never went into the promised land apart from a few. You've seen God do some unbelievable things. Unbelievable. You can remember because it's only in the last 12 months you were in Egypt, a slave. Life was crap. It was hard. There was no hope. And then God raises up Moses and he comes. And although you have some struggles with that, eventually under Moses' leadership you're out. And this incredible moment where the, where the Red Sea parts, you cross over and then it comes back and it wipes out your enemy. And there you are, you're free. Can you imagine how that felt? I mean, that must have been something. A couple of million people standing there, mums, dads, kids, grandparents, goats, sheep, the whole deal, standing there going, we're free. Our enemies have been wiped out. And then they begin to cross the wilderness and they're going to be on a bit of a journey. It's at least a couple of months' walk to get to the promised land. Okay, and on the way, begin to moan, begin to complain, begin to wonder about what's going on. Okay, and it's at that point that the psalmist says, he quotes and says, don't harden your hearts like they did at that point. 
Okay? And here's the, here's the thing. Okay? The people that it's talking about at the end of this passage in Hebrews 3, who was it? The people that Moses let out. These are not people that had hard hearts. These are people who had just been delivered by God in the most astonishing circumstances. These are people who had the most amazing testimony you've ever heard. Okay? These are not people who, oh, I grew up in a Christian home. <laughs> no, these are people who, God miraculously delivered me and changed my life and my whole circumstances. Okay? These are people who had seen God's work, God's power, God's mercy, God's love in action, and yet they began to question, is God really with us or not? Is this hardship we're facing, is this part of God's story or not? And they began to say, maybe there's a better way. Maybe going back to Egypt is a better way. Maybe providing for ourselves is a better way. Okay? So hold that thought in your mind because uh, the way that the writer of Hebrews uses it is quite uh, relevant to us. So, uh, yeah, at, at the end of um, the Hebrews, um, sorry, Exodus 17, at the end of that chapter, what it actually says is that Moses named these places uh, Meribah and whatever the other name is, which means um, uh, complaining. Uh, so Massa means testing and Meribah, which means quarreling. Okay? And, and, and it explains why Moses called it those names. And then it ends with this phrase, because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord with us or not? Is the Lord with us or not? In the midst of our struggles, is God with us or not? Now, again... Don't forget, they've just seen God with them in unbelievable ways. So, we come up to Psalm 95. Again, the same thing. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. What does harden your hearts in, in the context? What does it mean? Well, actually, the hardening of the hearts in that context was questioning, is God with us or not? Is God in this? This struggle that we might be facing. Okay, whatever struggles they were facing. So then we, we, we jump forward another um, 1,500 or 1,600 years or something and we get to, maybe not quite that much, but we get to the time of the writer to the Hebrews. They're facing difficulty. They're being persecuted. They've, they've understood and had this revelation of God's incredible mercy and, and compassion and love for them and his power to deliver them and to transform them. Now all of a sudden they're under pressure. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And if we want to be true to the context, what does it mean? Well, today if you hear his voice, are you questioning, is God with us or not? Okay. And then we don't listen to that and we end up getting ourselves into all kinds of trouble. This process of, of hardening our hearts, I think, is the same process. Okay. There comes a moment, well, many moments, but there comes a time in, in our Christian walk well, I think we begin to ask a question. Usually it's when we're under pressure, whether it's an intrinsic pressure, something within ourselves that's going on, or external, and we begin to say, God, are you with me or not? Is this real or is it not? Okay. And, and, and it, it can begin a process in our Christian faith of falling asleep at the wheel. Okay. Where we just slowly drift away. All of a sudden, we make little decisions. We do this, we do that. Um, to use language that you're probably familiar with, um, for, for the Jews at this time, in, when the writer to the Hebrews is writing to them, okay, they were actually, what they were looking for was a safer faith. Looking for a saviour that's a little bit safer than Jesus. Jesus is not safe. You could get killed for following Jesus. Or you could lose your freedom. Okay, so they're looking for something a little bit safer. A safer saviour. Okay, now, we do it all the time. Uh, God speaks to us. 
Maybe we get involved in something that's a little bit risky. Maybe it's a church plant at, at Toowoomba Christian College. Maybe it's something else. Okay? And, and we get all excited and we go and we see God's amazing provision. We got, see God's amazing grace. We see God speak into situations full of excitement. And yeah, God's with us. But inevitably, it gets hard. Inevitably, that person that you just loved to bits. I you love that saying, I love them to bits. And, and, and it comes to a point you just want to cut them to bits. <laughs> because you just can't stand them anymore. And, and you know what? You probably have a good point. They're, they're just they're horrible people. Okay? It gets hard. Relationships break down. Suddenly, that, that, that thing that you expected to happen, that huge blessing, doesn't quite happen the way that you expected it. God, are you still with us or not? I thought, man, we were going to do this thing. It was going to be absolutely amazing. Now, I'm talking the context of the project, but it could be just in your own life, in your own family, and it's not quite what you expected. That is the moment where we can easily fall asleep at the world. God was amongst them, in the center of them, and enjoying life of prosperity the way that God planned for them to, in, to have. Okay? That was their rest. But because they hardened their hearts, they didn't actually experience God's rest. Okay? And so David, or whoever the psalmist is in Psalm 95, says the same thing. Today, again, he makes it urgent. He's not saying back a thousand years ago. He's saying today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, or like them, you also won't enter God's rest. What was God's rest in David's context? Not sure exactly, but it's probably, again, the fulfillment of God's word to them, the establishment of the kingdom, peace, prosperity, and all that goes along with that. Okay? And then the writer of the Hebrews says the same thing, and it's very interesting, and you'll go on and talk more about rest as you go through Hebrews, but he says the same thing to them. He says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And he goes on, and it has a finish, because if you do, you will also be at risk of not entering into the rest of God. So what is the rest for us? Ultimately, of course, it's, it's resurrection. It's Jesus coming again. It's the restoration and renewal of all things and, and living in this unbelievably renewed creation with, with God himself walking amongst us. That, that's the rest. That's our hope. Okay. In, in a, in a, that's a long-term hope long-term rest, but in a shorter term, it's the fulfillment of God's promises to us. Living the life of obedience to Him, with Him, you know, un, in and you know, just cooperating with Him and enjoying the fruit of that. That's God's rest for us. But if we fall asleep at the wheel, if we actually, it's, it's ironic, isn't it? If you choose the easier option, you don't end up with a better life. <laughs> okay? If you choose the easier option, you won't end up with rest. You'll end up with something else. Okay. And I think, um, I, I think we need to take that on board. You know, uh, you've probably all heard stories, as have I, of good, solid Christian men and women, who, young people who have just been alive in their faith and then suddenly they don't have faith anymore. And you go, how the heck did that happen? I think it was Guy Sebastian, isn't it? Just come out and said, no longer believes there's a God, not a Christian anymore. And you go, how's that happen? Well, it doesn't happen in one day. It happens by falling asleep at the wheel, asking the question, is God with us or not? Looking for another saviour, looking for something a little bit easier, a little bit safer. And I can imagine for someone like Guy Sebastian, I don't want to be condemning or anything, I imagine for him it's not easy being a Christian. I imagine it's really tough. Okay, and we begin to choose something that's not quite so risky, but we will not enter into God's rest. And that's scary. So, I'll finish with this. Today... Okay, because the writer of Hebrews is not saying 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago. He's, bring, he's pulling a, 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 an ancient thought 
into the present and making it relevant now. And I think that's what God wants to do too. He takes an ancient thought and he pulls it into the present and says, today, you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, when you're under pressure, don't say, is God with us or not? And then lean towards, no, he's not with us, so we look for something safer. Because that will inevitably end in falling asleep at the wheel and you'll crash and burn. Okay? And we won't enter into God's rest and that's not his heart for us. And so I think God wants to stir us. This passage is a great passage. I mean, I love the way uh, that, it, that he, he writes it. Um, I'll just go back to that. I love the way, he, verse 16, it says, it's, it's, it's a question, it's a rhetorical question. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt? In other words, so who is it that hardened their hearts and rebelled? Was it not those with the most amazing testimony of God? And with whom was it he, he was, was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned? In other words, there was consequences to those sins. Okay? That little sin of complaining about no water, no meat, ended in no promised land. And they all died in the wilderness. To whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but those who were disobedient? Okay? There are consequences for hardening our hearts. There are consequences for making those little decisions that I'm looking for something safer. Okay? There, there are. Not because God hates us, but because he loves us. Okay, and, and he just does everything he can to keep us on track. So, let me ask you. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So, maybe we could throw in a few questions like, uh, what have you heard? What is God's voice? What's God said to you to do? Are you doing it? Are you choosing something safer? Are things happening in your life to make you think, oh, I wonder if I should make some changes. I wonder if I'm maybe slightly off track. Because if there are, those are the first signs of falling asleep at the wheel and we better listen to them and do something about it. And, uh, and, and the promise is that we will enter his rest if we keep listening and keep adding faith to hearing God's voice and actually step out uh, in, in obedience to him. I pray. I'm going to finish. Okay, Father, thank you for your word. Uh, God, we, it's easy for us. To, we can read Hebrews and read Psalms and read Exodus and think that this is people a thousand or two thousand years ago. Uh, but God, there's this, this, you seem to take this phrase, today, if you hear his voice, and it's over and over again. And you keep bringing it into the present. And uh, Lord, I, I, just, I sense that you want to bring it into the present for us today. Today. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Lord, you, I think you understand our vulnerabilities, that we're so quick to look for the safer option. We're so quick to ask the question as soon as it gets hard, well, is God with us or not? And lean towards the not. Uh, God, help us not to do that. Holy Spirit, help us to recognize it in our own life. Help us to be people who don't just ignore the signs and, and run off the road, but help us to be those who, who heed the signs and do something about them, repent. Come back to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've looked for an alternate saviour and, and, uh, and that's wrong. I want to bring my life back to you and live my life fully the way that you expect me to.
Lord, help us. Some of us maybe um, have realized that maybe we're, we're, in danger, we're in a dangerous place. We've heard his voice and we've ignored it. We've hardened our hearts. And it's begun a process for us it's, that's pushing us away from your rest. God, I pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit and convict our hearts unto repentance so that we can bring ourselves back to where you want us to be. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.